Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. NATO countries agree to send lots of lethal military equipment to Ukraine. Why aren't tanks on the list? And a chilly January tradition continues. This is the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Defense ministers for Ukraine's allies met in Germany on Friday. The goal? Provide assistance to Ukraine in the form of weapons and munitions as the one-year anniversary of the war nears. A big question was whether Germany would allow German-made tanks to be sent to Ukraine. NPR's Rob Schmitz is in Germany, and Steve Inskeep talked to him about the meeting. Can you just first explain why it would be that of all kinds of military hardware, these Leopard battle tanks from Germany would be such a big deal? Well, the Leopard 2 battle tank is, of course, made here in Germany, and it's seen as one of the world's most state-of-the-art tanks, and that's from both a performance perspective as well as technological perspective. It's also a tank that has been used uh, throughout Europe, and many of the, of course, NATO countries are familiar with it. So it's something that Ukraine has been asking for for you know since the war really began, and this has these calls have been increasing for months, and that's put a lot of pressure on Germany and Chancellor Olaf Scholz to deliver these uh, tanks to from Germany or from elsewhere to, to Ukraine. Oh, because they can give permission for other countries to pass on their leopard That's tanks. right. That's right. Uh, we just saw recently that Poland, for example, uh, has offered to send its tanks that it's gotten from Germany to Ukraine, but legally they need permission from Berlin to do that. So what are the Germans saying today? So the, the the new minister of defense, who was appointed <laughs> the new minister this week, wow. this is like a couple days ago, um, Boris Pistorius just spoke minutes ago. I've just been watching this uh, from Berlin, and he uh, was at Ramstein's meeting with uh, Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin, and he came out and he basically just said that Germany has not yet decided whether it will send these Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine and that for the time being, the answer would be no. Um, he also added when he was asked if other countries could send them and they would give permission for other countries like Poland or, or Finland or anyone else who has these to, to send to Ukraine – he said that that's not up to him, that that's up to Chancellor Schultz, and he hasn't spoken to Schultz yet about it. Well, let's talk this through from Olaf Schultz's perspective, the Chancellor of Germany. It's not like Germany is doing nothing here. Germany has cut off massive energy imports from from Russia to keep from financing Russia's war machine. They have sent other kinds of material to Ukraine. Why would they be reluctant to take this additional step that could make a big difference on the battlefield? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think uh, Chancellor Schultz feels, and he doesn't say this, he skirts around it a lot, but he basically, in his comments, he always talks about that that this would possibly be a red line uh, for Russia and that he doesn't want a situation where sending something like battle tanks into Ukraine to fight against Russian troops would be seen by the Kremlin as too offensive from NATO and that that would pull NATO into a broader war uh, that is right now just located in Ukraine. Doesn't the United States have heavy main battle tanks they could send over? 
It does. And this has been a big issue as well, because uh, from what we know this week, uh, Chancellor Schultz has told uh, President Biden that uh, he would send these tanks in, these Leopard tanks, if U.S. sends its Abrams tanks. Uh, U.S. That was not in the U.S.'s plan, and the U.S. Uh, basically announced what it would send, and that the Abrams tank was not on the list today. So okay. it's possible that Germany's waiting for that. NPR's Rob Schmitz in Berlin. Thanks very much for the update. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So some cold water being thrown on the idea of sending tanks to Ukraine. And now to a literal cold water plunge. Thursday was the Orthodox Christian holiday of Epiphany, and it has become a tradition for some in Ukraine to mark the day by jumping into the icy cold water of the Dnipro River. For a lot of bathers, it's about starting the year fresh with a clear mind. NPR's Alyssa Nadwerny took the plunge in the city of Dnipro. Along the bank of the river, groups of friends huddle in their bathing suits and towels, deciding who will go first. About a half dozen men in their 20s race into the water. It's a tradition loosely tied to the holiday that celebrates the baptism of Jesus Christ. The Orthodox Church of Ukraine has long said there is no religious reason to be in winter water, but it's tradition. What is the thought that goes through your head right before you get in? <laughs> faster, 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 don't scream. <laughs> Nikolai Pastichenko has been plunging for many years. This year, he says, the dip is a needed distraction, especially now and here. A Russian missile decimated an apartment building last Saturday, killing more than 40 civilians. He says, it doesn't really feel like a holiday this year. It doesn't feel festive. Then he wades in, waist deep, does the sign of the cross over his bare chest, and then he ducks. Once, twice, three times. Yulia Zhezkina is bundled up on the shore, watching her husband Vitaly plunge. (laughs) It's cold just watching, she says. In years when the river is totally frozen, people cut holes shaped like the cross and jump through them. This year is warmer than in the past. The river isn't frozen, but there are floating chunks of ice. Which prompts the question, what are all these people getting out of this? Stanislav Bajdenov explains he gets a sense of clarity when he plunges. It's like freedom, he says. Something he relishes since he's on break from fighting on the front line. Solidar. Yes, he says. It does feel like small daggers all over your body. It's hard to describe, he says. You just have to do it yourself. Ready. So, I do. It is very, very cold. All right. I'll listen to Adam in the Dnipro River. Woo! Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back to this feed to learn more about the war and its impacts around the world. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.
Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer, no text messages to respond to, just your suitcase and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit Podcast from NPR. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.